Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, this is the Man Fuse podcast. I am Kay Lee, audio producer, voice artist, sitting here with my co-host, Ben H. What's up, guys? Today on the Man Fuse podcast, our guest, Jason Collarin, a former top-tier collegiate athlete, a biomechanics consultant for medical professionals and professional athletes, is here, and he is going to blow up the fitness industry and everything that you think you know about it. Hang out. We'll get to that in just a few seconds. The Man Fuse podcast, we are now on WhatsApp. So you can join the show. You can text us. You can leave us a voice message at 770-744-5227. Of course, you can join the show through our website at manfused.com. Our guest today, Jason Collarin, who is the founder of a product, which you have now three patents in 45 countries. Is that what I was told the other day? We just got our third U.S. patent. We filed international patents in 46 countries. That's impressive, buddy. It's amazing. Congrats on that. So the product that I'm talking about is something called the Kinetic Arm, which is a, um, would you call it a brace? Um, Brace is kind of more like an immobilizer. This is something, it's it's a new concept, but when you sit back and think, why have we not developed anything like this? So it's more like a dynamic stabilizer. You still have all the range. It just gives you more support at end range when your muscles have the least amount of ability to stabilize the joint. You put it on your arm, your shoulder, right? Yeah, you just slide your arm through, uh, fasten it, and then it's like having an external muscular system. It's pretty impressive. And I want to get into all that and my experience with it because you just hooked up my son with a prototype, which is pretty damn awesome. But um, not only can it save you from having to have surgery like Tommy John, you can still play and you don't have to spend all this money, you know, through surgeries and then recoveries. So you have been in this business of training neurological stuff over 20 years, right? Yeah, it's been over 20 years and well over 30 as an athlete too. So having to experience everything. And you had bad injuries when you were younger, correct? I've had, I've either had to rehab somebody through just about every injury you can think of from arm injuries to having to go to Germany for major reconstructive surgeries because the healthcare here is so bad. Is that when you ripped off your pec? No, my pec was ripped off for two years. So I had a tie fight after that, played baseball again after that, but that was for hernia surgery that they couldn't do here in the U.S. But how did you initially rip off your pec? When you, when someone says I ripped off my pec, I'm just like, what? That was under the supervision of a strength coach. So we had all these certifications. Everybody talked him up. The gym I worked at at the time, anybody that had a fight coming up, it was mandatory to go through this guy's program. So they thought that, 
okay, he's got all these certifications. He must be great. Right. But it's one of the biggest problems with the fitness industry. They don't understand basic musculoskeletal mechanics. So he wanted us to max out, go all the way down. And that's why the pec just ripped off the bone. Jason is actually a, a badass, like certified kick kick somebody's ass. Bad. And I don't think you would fight. Any, you, you're probably the chillest guy ever as far as actually getting into a fight. You're a martial arts expert in Muay Thai. Is that right? I did Brazilian a good bit of Muay Thai and boxing, but mainly, yeah, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and submission grappling. Yeah, he's pretty calm, cool, and collect when you talk to him. Well, I dude, mean, what that, does he got to worry about? No, he ain't got to worry about nothing. <laughs> he looks Put like a beast. Put your hands on me and you're done, bro. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so did you fight internationally? Like, have you have, like, legit fights and stuff like that? No, I did some in-house tournaments for striking and then with submission grappling, uh, just the the big IBJJF ones. And uh, I did it way back when you'd have to drive you know hours to a tournament in the middle of nowhere just by yourself, just right. show up and, and just go at it. And now there's, it's a lot more organized now with a lot more tournaments. But, yeah, it's it's evolved quite a bit. Was that like Hoist Gracie, like more towards the start of like some of those like initial characters that I can remember? Not like, back that far, okay. uh, but the place I train at now, Alliance, they they go back to those roots. You know, Jacques Ray grew up with the Gracies, so it's pretty cool to have that lineage with the training. That's awesome. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ, right? Right. As it's called, has really gained a lot of popularity for both male and females of late, and it's really fun. I mean, but it's, it's, it's tough, dude. I mean, that's a really tough thing. I'm actually, I want to get Jack into it. I want to get my son into jujitsu. He's Didn't, four now. When, when should we get him going? I'd get him going now. I mean, it's, nice. it's an incredible activity and skill set for kids because I mean, mentally, and as far as like neurological development, constantly evolving equation with an infinite amount of variables. Chess. It's like an elevated chess game where every time something shifts, you've got a whole new puzzle you got to figure out. So for kids, it's incredible. And then there's the self-defense aspect and confidence. But the thing I like the most is you're humbled every day on the mat. Yeah. You're never going to be the best in the world. Or so, in the room, probably. I mean, right. like, there's always going to be someone else walking in, I'm sure. And you're a brown belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Is that right? Yes. That's pretty badass. That's What's the next step from that? Is it brown, then black? Or does it go, like, brown, blue? or Next step is black. So you're almost there, black belt status. Almost there, almost there. My brother-in-law, my wife's brother, I think he is now black belt. And when he got to that point, he's been training in like jujitsu for as long as I can remember. But when they gave him his black belt, everyone whipped him with their belts. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Old school places still do that. A lot yeah. of them don't because, you know, our cultures have become pretty soft. And, uh, that, <laughs> the wussification. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. A so some places still do that. Bunch of pussies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not at a place that whips you when you get promoted, yeah. you should leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. In talking with you a little bit, you had said some pretty profound things to me just when I visited um your gym or uh, you know your your workout center it's elite fitness which when i was in there i was like man if i worked out here you'd turn into a beast yeah you were saying something about how stretching you know which we've been taught to do through i mean every form of workout platform right to do before or after and uh, even on your off days and you had said that stretching is horrible for you yeah, so there's a lot of studies with objective data showing that it decreases your force output. And if muscles stabilize joints, you're now decreasing that muscle or those muscles' ability to stabilize the joints. So I always say mobility without stability is vulnerability. And then with some of the positions you're trying to crank these limbs into, you're actually causing impingement issues. 
So now in baseball, there's a problem with hip labrum tears. Uh, but you got to think about it. After all the years of stretching your hamstrings, why aren't they hanging down behind your knees? Because first of all, muscles don't actually stretch. And muscles tighten up for a reason. Your brain's not playing a joke on you when you're sleeping saying, you know what, I'm going to play a joke on you and tighten that up or tie that in a knot. Mm. You know, it happens for a reason. So it's a, a compensation or, um, you know, compensatory mechanism because your brain wants to tighten up that area because it knows you're not stable in that area. So then we're always told that, okay, if you're tight, you have to stretch. So that's addressing the symptom, but notice the symptom keeps coming back. So that's a big problem with the fitness industry and uh, especially the healthcare industry and physical therapy is so far behind. Uh, but it's really something that, you know, should be taken out. And there's a lot better and more efficient ways to, to train and spend that time. So someone who can't touch their toes, like initially when they wake up, maybe they did a hard leg day, right? And your legs are just, they're sore. You know, typically when you stretch, there is kind of a, it's uncomfortable a little bit. I guess it depends on how far you stretch, but you feel a little looser after you do. And then you can touch your toes. And then you can like yeah. get a little lower. When I think about it in my head, I'm like, well, it kind of feels good as long as you're not taking it too far. What would you recommend in place? So like when you are tight, you can't touch your toes because your muscles are tight. If stretching isn't good, what would you suggest to do? It's not to damn stretching completely there. You know, there is a place for it. But if you follow up with positional isometrics afterwards to put the tension back into those muscles that you just shut down. So that's something big with uh, like dry needling, cupping, Graston Rolfing, you know, ART, where you're really just beating the crap out of the muscles because they're tight. You're potentially causing more damage. But why would we assume that if we shut down that symptom that automatically the other ones are going to turn on? Because the brain is pretty smart. It's trying to orchestrate a solution for a movement all the time and it knows what's available and what's not. So a compensation pattern is a good thing until you fix the problem. But back to like the touching the toes, if that's your goal, then yeah, you might need to stretch to get there. Like the sit and reach test that's still done in schools and probably still in the military. Mm -hmm. um, you got to think, what are we checking? Not only the hamstrings, but also trunk flexion. So if you have a gut that's in the way, shoulder protraction motion there, uh, how long your fingernails are. I mean, so it's a, there's a lot of things at play. So it's pretty inaccurate, everything we're doing. So how do you feel about yoga? I don't feel about yoga. You don't like, you're not a big fan. Ben loves hot yoga. I did back in the day. I used to you do know, a lot used of hot to, Until the guy heed your car. I did. I got it. Yeah. Ben had, had a, little, a stalker. There was a little crush going uh, on. Yeah. A guy used to, just to recap for you, you probably didn't hear this episode yet. He liked Jason. when I got in the downward dog. Yeah. This guy used to position himself yeah, in the yeah, gym exactly. in all these weird positions yeah. over Ben's face <laughs> and uh, wouldn't give him the time of day on this one occasion. And the guy stood up in the middle of class and made eye contact with yeah. Ben and grabbed his yoga mat and stormed out the door. I mean, look, I don't have any problem with homosexual well, people, but personally, I don't like my mouth the pose of the day <laughs> and then ben exactly. came out and his m5 was keyed yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. Car. which was upsetting yeah. to yeah. say the least yeah. that's a little upsetting well yeah. he was upset too you hurt him ben obviously oh, yeah. my uh lack of attention toward him was a little disappointing yeah. no, wasn't what he expected you shouldn't have let him on i you, think it's like a goal for gay guys though let me turn this, yeah, this straight turn man this straight guy gay he's or something the, like he's that. married he's married to a woman but yeah. i'm gonna turn him that's right yeah. that's right so that's, that's why he's staring at you all awkward you're indifferent about yoga so it really depends on the goal and and how it's done a lot of guys get injured doing yoga because of things like downward dog if we don't have this mobility already and then we try to use a large percentage of our body weight to force that position not only force that position but hold it for an extended period of time 
or causing impingement with the shoulder. Yeah. So you can get injured doing it. And I've had clients come in for, you know, the manual muscle testing and they say, oh, I'm really trying to get to this pose. And I say, why? Do you get like a medal? Do you they throw a party? <laughs> you get, you get a, yoga, a yoga trophy? Yoga! Are they going to take a picture of you? <laughs> so I told him, I said, listen, here's the best way for you to get all the mobility you need. I want you to go out on Petri Industrial and jump in front of a bus. You can break every joint and you can twist up into a pretzel and you will win yoga. Yeah. You will be yeah. the yoga champion. Yeah. Yeah, you just, that'll be it. You're the champion and you won't you even win. be there to experience it. Well, you will, but you'll be in a body cast maybe. And some of your clients, Matt Ryan, uh, used to be Atlanta's own Matt Ryan, right? They traded him. I haven't really kept up with football so far this year. I don't either. Yeah, yeah he, he came in years ago. We've, we've had some good ones come in. Charles Barkley, Antonio Excellent. Silva, because um, he, he's, a, he's a Brazilian fighter. Yeah, yeah, he was in the UFC for a while. We've had a lot of— Silva was a beast. Yeah, dude. he was. Yeah. The spider? Oh, no, we didn't have no, him. We had, oh, that's spider. Anderson Silva. We had Bigfoot Silva. Yeah, it's Bigfoot. We've had um, you know, some multiple-time jiu-jitsu— world champions like cool. Leo Noguera and Bruno Forzato, and we had Davi Ramos in. But, um, yeah, working with those guys, it's interesting because there's so many past injuries and so many training considerations that you have to think about. Right. Uh, so it's it's a lot to take into account. So when you worked with them and you kind of told them your stance, had they ever seen anybody like you before? The way that, you know, you view, you know, the current – state of our um, fitness industry and a lot of the medical industry and how we're trying to treat the problem where they had kind of blown away when you know after speaking with you and your thoughts on it it was a big kind of shock to them because one of the biggest problems with the fitness industry and especially like strength and conditioning the strength and conditioning world has turned into who has the cutest set and rep scheme of heavy barbells and chucking medicine balls which is kind of like being a mechanic with a hammer and a screwdriver like those are tools that doesn't mean they're good for everything so if they go train with somebody else, I mean, in the fitness world, everybody's got an ego, right? They want to beat you down. These guys right. are already getting beat up and, you know, their bodies are, are pretty torn up from training. So with me, we're going to use machines. We're going to precisely apply force. We're going to do isometrics. Whereas if they go somewhere else, they feel like they have to throw up, pass out or die to get a good workout. But all you're doing is just beating them down and shutting them down more neurologically and fatiguing them. And then their training's not going to be as efficient. But that's one of the biggest problems with the fitness industry. It's a giant crock of shit. Yeah, and I, I want to echo that because, like, okay, so can a guy like me come and train at your gym, for Absolutely. Example? We have people that have never worked out before in the same class as a professional athlete. That's amazing. So, because I, I've struggled since I got out of the military. I was in a really bad car accident. It's the reason I got out of the military. I've, got a, I've had a lot of past injuries and stuff like that. And, dude, I've hired trainers. I've hired dietitians. I've hired freaking yoga people. I mean, I have I have done everything possible. And literally, I'm not blaming them. It, it's obviously source. my, you know, it's, it's my responsibility, right? Uh, but it's been a very difficult road, man. I, and, and there's so much... There's so much information out there in the fitness world that is so contradictory. You know, you go to one guy and he tells you one thing, and then you go to another guy and he tells, "Oh no, we don't that that's that's wrong. Do this instead." Or, you know, especially with diet, intermittent fasting, and you know, calorie counting and meal prepping, and do you do cardio? Don't you do cardio? Do you stretch? Do you not? When you're young, you can do it all, right? I mean, when you're in your 20s, you're in your teens, you know, you're a young athlete, everything works. But when you get into your 40s and 50s and you start getting a little older, you know, you want to stay fit, you want to stay lean. I want to look like this guy. How do I do that without freaking, literally, I get hurt.
that's one of the biggest problems with the fitness industry is when you go in, they just have this assumption that everything's working. Yeah. So whatever compensation pattern you might have or old injuries, you know, that haven't been addressed and you start to apply load, whether it's through weights, could be yoga. Um, there's a lot of different ways to apply force, but you're just going to make that problem worse until you have the blowout. At my place, what we do, we can start out with an assessment on the table to find out what range of motion limitations you have if there is a, a neuromuscular issue. But you go to another place, um, I mean, I managed, uh, I used to manage 16 trainers at another gym. One of the contests was who could sleep with the most new members. So that tells you about the wow. fitness industry. Yes. Another, <laughs> we another need to get one. that guy on. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a nightmare. Do you get a, do you get a, a plaque? Well, they got cars, keyed tires, slash gum under the door handle. But Yeah, that's not good Was there business. a girl that Brutal. was uh, on the sales team that was participating here? Because she would have obviously won a competition like that. That's a good question. I just tried to stay as far away as possible from it. <laughs> yeah, but that's pretty sleazy, though. Another, that is sleazy, dude. Uh, we, can, we can get into uh, what goes on in Atlanta, too, if you want. No, that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, Light yeah, it dude. up, Jason. Let's but, do it. But another, another thing, they would have competitions. Who could make the most clients throw up in a day? Come on. So, yeah, it's all about egos. Look at their Instagram pages. Trainers, for most people, it's a fallback career because they couldn't hold a real job. They didn't want rules. So that's Ooh. why the turnover is so high. It's a giant fallback career. They think, oh, man, I can get a weekend certification. I can meet people. I can make right. contacts. No. I can build a business. Please you know. stop. Yeah. And then, you know, they they either get fired for stealing or, you know, sleeping around. But look at their Instagram pages. These, shirtless selfies yeah, straight out of the say, shower. These shirtless boy whores. It's, yeah, it's unreal the level of insecurity with these people, and um, yeah, it's a I mean, huge but point. people don't realize too. I mean, guys get ab etching done. All these girls have all this lipo, so it's this kind of pornification of the fitness industry that isn't attainable, and it's really it's setting people up for failure from the get go. But then because there's no barriers to entry for these trainers, I've had a lot of guys come in or girls that you know they've got a master's, uh, they got a doctorate in exercise phys, exercise science. Do you know how many classes there are with practical application? Zero? Zero. So imagine going through mechanic school and you don't turn a single wrench. You just look at a book and see how many foot-pounds of torque it is and what order to tighten down your intake manifold, what the timing should be, but you don't step out onto the garage floor. Yeah, there's so, no real-world experience there. So they think, oh, I was an athlete. I know what worked for me. Well, everybody's not you. It's like I do these assessments and people say, oh, I, I bought Arnold's book. I said, do you have his genetics or his steroids? Because if not, you could throw the book in the trash. It's not going to help you. Right. That's why you get so much contradictory information because the the more polarizing their comment, the more attention it's going to get. With these influencers and uh, you know people on social media, they have to keep pumping out content, and it's really terrible. But they have to do it to try to stay relevant. So the more time you see them pumping out content and putting things out, the less time they're with a client actually doing what they claim to be doing. Absolutely. And the less time they're studying, actually trying to educate themselves on becoming better. You went and did you go and get the typical, like, I guess, training trainer certification at some point? I haven't had a, a current one since 2004. Like a badge of honor. Well, it's yeah, his yeah. certificate, right? Because <laughs> well, you have to technically have at least that, no, right? No. no. You, don't, you could just you call don't yourself even, a trainer? You don't even have to be certified, but you can go online and get one for like 50 bucks. Oh, that's like you could be a like pastor. A minister. Yeah, you could be a minister. I mean, I'm ordained. Yeah, you are. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've married people. I went online and got my certificate. Yeah. All I had to do was fill out my name and email. Same thing. Same so thing so if I training. wanted to become a trainer right now, like you're saying I could get one and go into a gym and start 
barking orders at clients. Man, all you need is a social media account. That's it. Then all of a sudden you're insane. A, you're a I thought there legend. was a little more to it. No, but that's what I'm saying is even even okay. the people that went through and got the degrees, they're still not qualified to train right. somebody. Well, wow. right, and you, as you just said, you yours hasn't been current in 2004, but obviously you have continued beyond what 99.9% of everyone else continues to educate themselves. You see what the problems are and you know what the um the current state of of trainers and the medical industry is doing and being like, "Well, this this is wrong. It's really hard to change." After you've been thinking this way, and is this global? Like, they do the same stuff in other countries, typically? Or is there better or worse? I'm not sure about other countries, but I know here they they did try to pass legislation a couple times. They talked about it. But after I went through um, muscle activation techniques and have since then developed another muscle testing modality that we did on the table when you came in, that and then learning about the physics or resistance mechanics. So that's kind of the direction I went. But I'll have uh, physical therapists rent out space or I'll get a lot of clients from PTs. And, um, you know, to ask a physical therapist or a doctor about exercise, I mean, think about it. I hope they weren't trying to learn about fitness when they should have been studying medicine. Yeah. Right. And then they're sitting there out of shape trying to give you advice. That's one of the biggest things to me that I see is like you got a lot of people in the fitness industry that actually aren't in great shape. And a lot of them are really injured. I mean, I see all these CrossFit guys like Ooh, online. Don't say that word in here. And, uh, <laughs> oh, is that a bad word? <laughs> I well, wasn't allowed to but use that's it. A big, <laughs> but that's a big industry, right? I mean, the, the CrossFit industry is something Huge. that, I mean, anywhere you go, you see people like running around a building or, or something like that, you know, and they're out, in the, they're out in the parking lot jumping around doing jumping jacks or on rowers or whatever they're doing. And, you know, it's like, for the most part, I mean, I've done some CrossFit classes before. I hate that shit, dude. I kind of like it. It freaking sucks. I don't I like mean, it I mean, I kind of like that. Well, maybe it's not the CrossFit. It's like that Orange Theory thing. I hate I, that I just shit. like, I, I like to work. So if I'm in and I'm training, I you know, if it's 45 minutes... I want to work my ass off for yeah. 45 minutes. I want to, I don't want to throw up, you know, and be like tear something, but I want to be, I want to push. You want to I be want in to the push zone. myself because I feel so good after I do. So, I mean, that's, you know, typically. Well, I, I want mean, to push I'm kind myself of, too. I mean, I like that too. I know what you mean, but I don't want to get hurt though. Well, I you don't know want what to mean? get like, hurt. Well, I mean, I think you allow yourself. I mean, if you allow somebody to push you that hard where you know okay this is going to be a little much then i would dumb it down to a point that i thought i could handle to where i don't tear something i just like that non-stop yeah but then it's just, the peer pressure bro when the clock is ticking well you know, yeah and you're like and they're like well, you get that heart rate up you know yeah, and, you, I mean, and you're but like I, that's you're what not i work out zone. that's what i'm trying to do is get my heart rate up you work out currently yeah yeah i've, I've had a lot of injuries over the years through sports so it's it's just um slow and precise i don't uh i don't try to win anymore do you get your heart rate up like i mean do you run you jog or is it if you see me running my car died <laughs> my mountain bike tires were flat and i ran out of ammo okay <laughs> and you're freaking and you better lean, start bro. running too I mean, you better this start guy, running i don't know if you can tell through the camera he's freaking lean oh no he's jack he's freaking um yoked. so then how do you maintain your fit just eating no. Oh, man. It's just uh, genetics. So my, my wife has to keep me from, I used to get pizza like three times a night or three oh, times I a week. Pizza. Nice. Pizza. I'd have cake before bedtime. Yeah. I just love food. Um, but if you think about it, when cardio, you get your heart rate up, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you get your heart rate up during strength training? Yeah. Okay. Seems like so it. There's, there's your cardio. But yeah. I think a big portion is, you know, getting on the mat and doing uh, the jujitsu and grappling. Yeah. So that's kind of the cardio. But, you know, with all these trendy classes, uh, Orange Theory, you know, the other ones you're talking about, 
Um, I would I call my place Red Conclusion. So why is it, <laughs> why is it still a theory? Have we not gone through the scientific method and figured right. it out? But if you think about it, cardio is muscle wasting. So on one end of the spectrum, you've got powerlifters and bodybuilders. On the other end, you've got runners that are skinny fat. So yeah. you've let all your muscle atrophy to the point where they're not functioning how they should as shock absorbers and absorbing force to now the stress goes to the bones. So you, whenever you hear runners talk about, oh, running's great for you, you just need a pair of shoes and this, but I've been having this knee pain. It always goes to something like that. Right. Running is absolutely terrible for you. Really? If, yeah, and shoes are actually wrecking people. Wow. You got to think, what do we do for hundreds or thousands or however many years before Nike came along with this piece of plastic? Right. God, I hope we weren't walking or running, right? <laughs> and then and then with the fitness industry, it came out with uh, barefoot running. So I had, at the time, all my friends were, you know, trainers and instructors. So they started wearing these barefoot, minimalist shoes. They, yeah, they looked like getting, Ninja Turtle shoes or something. Yeah, it looked like little little uh, slippers. Yeah. Is that and, with uh, the ones with the toes? The toe, the toe, yeah. yeah. The <laughs> exactly. they, they started getting uh, ligament tears and stress fractures in their feet because for all this time you've had the shoe absorbing force, and then you take that crutch away, yeah. and you've got to absorb all the way to your body, crashing down and pushing off on a platform that hasn't been conditioned to handle that because you've been wearing shoes that are limiting motion. So anything in like in the medial arch, that's, you know, plantar fasciitis, if you've got an arch support and you take that away and then you try start trying to run or walk, yeah, you're going down. Wow. So there's a lot of trends that come through. They they come and go. Um, and it's, it's pretty interesting to see the injuries that happen and kind of who holds on to it and who clings to it to try to make money. But that's all the fitness industry is. And you had a very um, unsavory view of CrossFit. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you feel about CrossFit? Yeah, how do you feel about CrossFit? Please tell us, Jason. It's uh, – <laughs> It's kind of like a fitness street gang. Like people just oh. want to people just want to belong to something, right? I right. think True. I think pack animals. Um, <laughs> if you Google CrossFit pec tears, you'll see they had a CrossFit open where they had I don't remember if it was thirty something or fifty something pec tears. So that tells you all you need to know. Is that like a competition, a CrossFit open? Yeah, they were having a competition. But to me, it's kind of like being the fastest at cutting your grass or washing your car. You're going to do a <laughs> shit job. You're really going to do a yeah. shit job. But now you're adding great loads analogy. you're putting yourself in these vulnerable positions. And then if you Google CrossFit peeing, these women just let loose and pee all over the box or the floor. Is that somewhere you want to train in? Not Go why why like do they do that, though? Why do, because why? they're worked so hard. They say it's cool. Like maybe they have a pelvic oh. floor issue, but still, like, call a timeout. They like the it. Put it where. I don't think they probably. like it. I mean, wow. I don't know. Some get pretty weird. Have you seen the founder of CrossFit? Uh, no, but I'm gonna Google him right Google, now. Google Greg Glassman and tell me if that's someone Greg you would want to look like or perform like. <laughs> this is gonna make people so mad. So Greg Glassman. Oh, hey Greg. Wow. And women are guy? peeing on the floor, and you because they're so exhausted. Greg looks like a uh, pervert, a, a molester. Absolutely, hundred percent. He's like disgusting. Jared, the subway guy. He's giving that rapey vibe. Yeah, he yeah. does. He's got a rape face. He's got a rape face. <laughs> yeah, he's got the rape vibe. He's rich, isn't he? He's really capitalized. And in the, I think it was the original manual. So, I've I feel like I can talk about it because I've been through the level one certification, not by my own choosing. I yeah. had partners at the time; they wanted to be an affiliate. To me, if you're going to have a product, you should be confident to put your name on it. For sure. Right. I'm not opening up a business with somebody else's name if I, you know, claim to be good at what I do. There's that part. I always ask people, why don't you put your own name on your business? So I think, again, there's no barriers to entry. So it's a, it's a cheap way that they could start a business with minimal equipment. But again, it's like fixing a car. They've got, you know, one, two, three tools. 
But what if somebody's injured? What if they have some kind of compensation pattern you don't know about? And we've had people come in and tell us about their injuries, a broken neck, uh, mm. people maxing out the first day they go in there. Why on earth would you feel the need to max out? Because if you get it, I guess you can brag like beating a you know level 12 on Legend of Zelda or something. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like a video game. Who cares? Yeah. There's always somebody stronger. Right. And if you don't get it, you get injured and then you can't work out. Yeah. And then you're, yeah, you're. You're immobilized. And then they're probably going to still keep charging you. And then, you well, know. Well, I'm glad to hear this because I have never liked CrossFit. So now I know that it's garbage. Your instinct was correct. That's right. Exactly. Your initial gut of telling you that this is garbage and you don't need to be doing it is accurate. So martial arts is something that you're really proficient in and that you do a lot of. Do you train daily? Is it is it two, three times a week or... How, how often do you hit the mat and do some grappling or some BJJ? I try to get three days a week in. That way you keep learning. In a good week, if I have time, I'll get in four. Uh, but it's it's just incredible, the amount, of, the amount of learning. And it's a pretty intimidating thing. I mean, when I think about it, because I'd really like to do it, and I actually signed up at Alliance. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't he refer you? Yeah, and yeah, you he went there, and, and then, then you went, never went back. Well, no, I went a couple times. <laughs> I went a couple times, but then I moved. Yeah. And so then it, it was just like, you know, I, I don't know. I just kind of like did Are they still it. charging you? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I did. He's our greatest customer. <laughs> I know. I, pay, I, I paid out my contract as I, as I signed up for. I wasn't going. When I did go, everyone was very welcoming. And everyone was really ass, cool. Right? No, not even not even so much, not, man. Not I like mean, kicked your ass like they beat you up. It's an exhausting workout. It's exhausting the things that you, just the positions that you go in, just the warm-up. Oh, I'll bet. You know, just the warm-up exercises were, I was, I was smoked by the time we got done doing the warm-up. My brother-in-law, when he'd come to Atlanta just for, you know, a, for a week or so he'd find a you know a, a gym and he'd go and he was like uh you know and work with somebody and he was like today you know we worked on pressure ability to use your body's weight and apply pressure on top of someone else i mean it's just exhausting it's hard to breathe you can have a 160 pound guy feel like he's 300 pounds yeah yeah it's incredible and then before i got to alliance i thought you know i'm pretty good and they they've got uh leon Nogueira you know, three-time or more super heavyweight black belt world champion. Man, I've never been someone's bitch like that. And it was so <laughs> effortless for wow. him. And is he, is, he, is he a big guy or is he smaller than you? I mean, about the same size, but he can, he can tell you what he's going to do and you can't stop it. Really? Yeah. It's ridiculous. So yeah. with all your experience up to this point, you couldn't figure out a way to stop it? Nothing. You can't even start it. You're oh, done. wow. Can't, he's it's already that, three steps that ahead of you. At least. So is, that, is that because, I mean, how much more, does this guy have a ton more experience? Or is it some people, oh, yeah. just like chess, they just get it faster? It seems like something, their training has just clicked. Even with chess, it's like you learn how to play, and then it's like some people just, it just starts to click. And they start to be able to make these moves. And, you know, those variables work in their favor. Is it sometimes like that? No, it's... It's a lot of time. No, I mean, if not, you're, at all. If you're, not at all. Yeah, not at you're no wrong. Way. No way. If you're, I mean, you got to put in at a decent training facility, school, academy, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you're looking at probably 10 years for a black belt. Wow. How many hours roughly does that equate to? Like, probably 10, I mean, yeah, 10 years. Well, 10 years for a black belt. I think that's what my brother-in-law did. Take yeah, you're looking, if you're training like three, four days a week, that's probably what you're looking at. I mean, I've been doing it. I did it, uh, I'm probably going on year 14 or 15. I mean, I had a couple of breaks from injuries and things like that, but 
So you could be at a brown belt for years and years. Oh yeah, you're at, you're at each level for a good bit. Before this was purple belt, that was I think six or seven years. So a lot of lot of time to get competitions in um, before progressing, but it's a lot. And how do they determine? Okay, you have put in your time. Do you have to like fight somebody? Is that so? There's kind of I guess you could say like a kind of a hobbyist way and like a competitor way. So the belt promotion would depend on if you're not competing and it's just kind of a hobby and you really, you know, like doing it, but you don't feel like you're a competitor, then it's, it kind of goes off how many uh, classes you've attended. So not only the class you've attended, but you'll have to test out. But for me, I was always a competitor. So, you know, you compete, you win, you win, and then you don't have to test out. You just get the next belt level. The so, competition itself is the test. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And, you know, I have to say too, like my experience with it was really neat because I've never been in a sport or activity like Brazilian jiu-jitsu when you go in as someone like, I, I'm not even a white belt. I had no no belt. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> You're below belt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't even have an outfit, you know. And, uh, but I was, you know, training with blue belts and purple belts. And, you know, it's kind of part of their part of their training is to take the newbies and, you know, teach them a couple things. And so I thought that was kind of cool, man, because, like, everybody seems super humble in that sport. It's a really cool culture because you'll see kids compete. You know, they'll walk up, shake hands, go at it hard, and then at the end, you know, shake hands or hug. And Right. I mean, even uh, guys I've competed against, and, you know, we're, we're trying to rip each other's heads off. We're going, you know, zero to 100 real fast. Yeah. Afterwards, hey, man, thanks. Great job, you know. <laughs> thanks and, for, and we're, for hurting then we're, me. Yeah, then we're friends on social media, and we keep in touch. You see them at tournaments, but my wife was surprised when she went to a tournament. She's like, wow, everybody, if they bump into you, they say, excuse me, or they're so yeah. polite. It's just a different culture, so that's a, a place you want to train, not like a for sure. an MMA gym where there's egos and people are getting hurt and they got something to prove. So it's right. there's, there's definitely differences uh, in that, but Atlanta's like a jiu-jitsu mecca. Really? Uh, it's incredible, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of really good places here. And it seems like they all kind of started out in one or two places way back when I worked at Knuckle Up. There were, you know, all the guys that have facilities now, we were all kind of in the same place, and then they all kind of left and, you know, started their own. And then you had Jacare with Alliance that was on Roswell Road right by there. Right. Um, and they've always kind of stayed independent. So it's it's been pretty cool to see it evolve in this city because now you've got so many high-level black belts that you can learn from. That's awesome. You know, there's a place up near our home, Kaylee. Mm, is there? Up in, in the area we live. Is it? Karate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember like on Napoleon Dynamite, that karate? Rex, <laughs> Rex Guando. Yeah. Rex yeah. <laughs> Guando. Karate. Bringing that up, going through the the training, like the weapons training, you'd have yeah. these guys. I mean, they're, they're SF, they're operators, uh, SWAT guys, and, you know, you go around the room, they're like, I can run a gun, I can do this, but, and then they'll say, oh, I trained at this dojo, and they're yeah. talking about, but you see real fast, their kung fu is no good. Pardon my ignorance, what was that term you just said, run a gun? They're really good with different weapon systems, so whether it's handguns, rifles, you okay. know, something bigger. They've had extensive training with that, but as soon as you start in an entanglement, which is real life, I mean, you're right. not starting with equal initiative it's unequal initiative and, like and you it, might have me wrapped up from behind you might have a hand on my on my handgun uh there's you might a lot just of have situations. a jump on you just from a timing standpoint and that's how it's going to go down but you'll see that these guys you know beforehand they talk about you know they did tai chi or they did krav maga you know things like that mm. i mean in this you'd you'd fight it out in a gravel parking lot yeah or you're in a vehicle you know fighting it out and you see real quick these guys they they didn't learn that wow so they have a great skill set but that's how that's how well jiu-jitsu transfers 
Um, so it was it was really interesting to see that firsthand and get to experience it, whether it's you know in a gravel parking lot or um, you know in a vehicle or around a vehicle. But you see real fast they just the basics they're not there. Most fights end up on the ground, right? Is that you know in theory? And so being able to control. Okay, it's going to end up on the ground anyway. I'd probably say most of the time, that's when you're going to lose is because you're trained to know what to do, right? You hope. If you're out in a social setting, I mean, right. biggest two things, stay upright, stay conscious. Gotcha. If you get hit with a haymaker, you're kind of, you're screwed anyway. Yeah. But, I mean, you'd never want to take it to the ground because someone might stomp your head or, you know, do something like that. So right. it's... It's interesting how many variables go into play, but like in those classes, you'd have a certain situation. You might have a, a two-on-one, um, and you got the live sim rounds, which you know don't tickle, but it was a it was great. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how many variables there are. Limitless variables. Yeah. Well, and that's another level to kind of I guess Jason's like badassery is he's also training these spec op guys and these uh, SWAT team guys. I think you told me one time something in regards to like vehicles and like having a gun pulled on you in a vehicle or something like that. You're running these guys that, you know, are out here protecting our country or they're protecting our safety as law enforcement officers. You're, you're training these guys how to kick ass on a higher level too. Yeah. The, the couple classes I, I went through and was able to, to help out with, um, there was edge weapons. So that's, you know, weapons of opportunity. So in that one, I got pulled aside by two Delta guys and they were asking for help with, uh, a manual for a new division of Homeland Security where they have to travel without weapons. So there was a couple of places they got stuck. So getting to help out and they even said, they were like, look at best, we're like shitty white belts. Wow. But again, they've got an incredible skill set. So it was yeah. pretty cool to be able to help out with that. Then another one was fighting with handguns, zero to five feet. And <laughs> then there were vehicle combatives where you're fighting inside a vehicle and then you're fighting around a vehicle as well. So it's like jujitsu in a cube. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what you said they needed help with? Edged weapons. Knife could be a screwdriver. Right. Okay. Or just kind of whatever's available. They needed help with manuals? They were putting together a, a um, training a system? training manual. Mm -hmm. And they had just a couple gaps on areas they were getting stuck on. Like if you're pressed against the wall and somebody has a lower base. They're like, okay. we're kind of getting stuck here. So then I could show them, all right, you're going to reach down, grab their chin, rip it up, you know, because where the head goes, the body goes. So getting to fill in the gaps with little things like that. And then with, um, you know, transitions, if you're having to take them down, um, especially with a weapon in play, because you can be a great jujitsu practitioner or martial artist, but as soon as you throw that weapon in play, it completely changes everything. Yeah, big time. You're trying to protect yourself from that weapon, right? I mean, so you've got to have... All hands on stopping that weapon in whichever way you can. Imagine fighting in a car. I mean, that's a whole different level. Like you said, like in a cube. But, I mean, there's car seats. There's all kinds of stuff. Somebody pulls a knife on you like maybe you're in the driver's seat. Somebody that's, in the back seat like tries to cut your throat. That's essentially what we did. You start out sitting next to each other. You've got your training Glock with the sim rounds. And then you've got your training knife. And you have padded helmets on, you know, so you have a face shield. And then he says go. And you fight it out in the vehicle and see who can shoot each other kind of a thing shoot each other stab each other but ultimately subdue so you got to look for something to grab i put my foot on the dashboard that's rowdy post it over into the driver's seat i was able to pin him and start shooting from there but then there were other scenarios where you start in the the vehicle you have to unbelt debus get out as soon as the door shut you're trying to shoot each other around the vehicle i mean a any which way you you'll can. see yeah you'll see quickly what doesn't work um but then there were some other situations where, you know, if you've got an underhook and an overhook and you're pressed against the vehicle and you're both trying to get to your weapon, um, from there you've got you've to know what you're doing and it's got to be kind of instinctive. That level of training for people who are in this field, 
training's everything. everything. I mean, to be able to see in training like a real life scenario helps you so much when you get to a real life scenario, doesn't it? It's got to be automatic. If you have yes. to think about it. Yeah, subconsciously, you have to be ready, like, subconsciously. Like, you instinctively, like, at that point, okay, you know what you're going to do. And that still doesn't even ensure that you're going to be successful. It just might up the chances of it. Yeah, right? and then there's the the kind of criminal psychology element of it. You know, if you're wanting to prevent that altercation, you know, drawing attention, things like that, or, or asking a question so it kind of distracts them and they think about it, and then you've got, you know, that split second to, to react. Right, um, yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah. It was like a lot maybe of a little situations. whistle. Yeah, yeah. They're like, what the yeah. fuck? And then you're like, Bow! maybe you just maybe you just randomly moan. Uh, ooh. Uh, ooh, all of this is super informative. Do you feel that you're beefing with a lot of trainers? Have you been going toe to toe with some of these people? Like, or do you have some that come to you going, listen, I see that stuff's really kind of messed up. Can you help me? And you offer or take anybody under your wing and try to help them, you know, be better at what they're doing if they do have a, you know, a book of business? I always try to help as much as I can. So I've helped teach a lot of um, orthopedic surgeons, chiropractors, physical therapists about, you know, resistance mechanics, neuromuscular system, musculoskeletal, and, and um, kind of how to use those tools. Because I'll have them come in and say, oh, I don't, I don't use those machines. Those aren't functional. I said, okay, I guess... All I do is dysfunctional then. Like, no, no, you know what I mean. I'm like, no, I don't, because doing a wood chop or do you put your groceries away like that? You just throw the shit up in the cabinet, up and across. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, what? I don't know why they have this. this They're uh, like, yeah, if you're going to be putting something on a shelf, this could help you. It blows my mind. So back in my, in my younger days, you'd comment and you'd go through a class. You're, you're armed with all this knowledge. You think you're going to change the world. And um, I'd finish some emails, and now my, my wife won't let me post on uh, some social media, and she you know, says I need a filter. But I'd finish the email with, hey, if you've really got a serious problem, come by. I'll meet you out back. <laughs> you know, but since then, calm down. So now it's, I don't uh, I just try to stay in my happy bubble. But seeing, you know, what everybody else is doing, people are more concerned with proving what they believe to be true than actually learning the truth. Because if I tell yeah, you, that's a big hey, right there. your fried chicken balls suck, you're right. not going to stop selling them. No, not you're if gonna, it's my bread and butter. You're going to keep selling them because it's what's making you money, right? Right. And then they just, they're just they just trying to grind out as many sessions as they can. But I think it's a John Wooden quote. It's, it's what you learn after you already know everything that counts. I was a trainer for 10 years before I went to one of these classes, and I thought, holy shit, I've never heard of these muscles. I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't know if I belong here. For the first two months, that's how I felt. But again, I had done it for 10 years. I'd managed. Uh, I was you know doing some on the education side, but... Um, that's why the, the fitness industry really is just a giant crock of shit. There's different business models. There's the upsell model where you've got the, the kind of smaller box gyms where it's nine or, you know, 20 bucks a month. So they got the upsell model. The 24 right? hour ones, maybe yeah. like that you have, you Some get a key and you can access, you know, whenever. Mm -hmm. But with the upsell model, it's a cheap membership, but then they're trying to sell you on the training. So they'll get these trainers. They can pay, you know, next to nothing that come out of like a, an LA or somewhere like that. And then they're charging, you know, a lot more money because they look like a boutique place or it's private training. But really the, the skill, and I always say, you know, just because you've been in kindergarten 10 years, it doesn't make you a 10th grader. There's a gym in it's Atlanta, true. I won't mention the name, but it was full of trainers that were, you know, that left my place because they either owed me money or asked them to leave because what they were doing just wasn't safe and I didn't want that liability. Right. So they all kind of ended up at one place, but that's the cool, trendy place. Right. You know, so it's, 
It's really Where? as long as they can, <laughs> probably lifetime. As, as long as they can hold a conversation, people think, "Oh, they're a great trainer." Are they really? But that's that's the only thing people go off of. And then you see on their bios, they'll say, um, "My philosophy." You don't mm. get to have a philosophy. This is science. So back right. to what you asked about beefing with trainers. Everything I say, I can back up with research articles that show objective data, or I can show you, you know, with a digital dynamometer. So I can prove everything I say. Again, that's the thing. The turnover rate is so high. The fitness industry is like a revolving door. And you see these guys at uh, celebrity trainers. What does that mean? Does that mean you train celebrity? I got voicemails from Sylvester Stallone, a big league. I'm not driving to train you. I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. Sly. You want to come here and train? I'm not driving down into uh, Buckhead to train you at some hotel gym. I mean, you look at these Atlanta trainers, they'd be all over it just all to say they it. did it. Right. And but then post on, you know, Instagram or whatever and, oh, just finished another round with Sly. Yeah. And that then you, dog. But then you see him in these nightclubs, like, mooching on somebody's VIP section, you know, just hammered. <laughs> but that's what it is. That's right. what the no, fitness absolutely. industry is here. Yeah. It's so bad in Atlanta. It's right. absolutely terrible. It's not much better anywhere else. It's just here, you know, there's so many more gyms, and it's a big city. So with it being kind of the Hollywood of the South. It's, um, there's a lot of money to be made, and, and that's what they're preying on. Preying is the perfect word for it. Oh, yeah. Because like people that. don't know any better them saying they have all these years of experience or at one place they were saying, oh, this guy was a, a strength coach at a college. The Chicago White Sox just put out that statement saying they asked their athletes not to sprint hard to first base because of all the hamstring injuries. Fire your whole staff. You're all absolute shit. That's if you crazy. Can't, if you can't prevent preventable injuries, especially at that level, why on earth would your athletes not be able to sprint in a straight line without getting injured? This, it's ridiculous. These old people. Hundreds of millions of dollars invested in these athletes, and you can't keep them healthy enough to run in a straight line. But the reason is all these mobility crazes. Yeah. So all the heavy squats, deadlifts, the, the symmetrically loaded lifting, we're causing everything to tighten up. Right. So then that gives birth to this big mobility craze. So now you can pay for that. So they want you to stretch and beat the crap out of your muscles. It's like, well... The strength program you just did caused these problems, and now you're trying to undo them, but then you're going to reinforce them when you go back in with your trainer that wants you to lift heavy stuff. So it's it's really, it's kind of cyclical until, you know, people get bored or injured. Right. Yeah. What inspired you to create, at first, the Perfect Arm, or is it Kinetic Arm, or is that two different products? We started with the Perfect Arm and then went to our first big trade show. And I, I saw next to us there was the perfect mound, the perfect throw, the perfect pitch. And I thought, oh, damn, put ourselves in the same basket with other products that are completely different and I may not entertain, right. you know, seeing how they work. So it was just thinking, why do we not have any protective devices for the throwing arm? Or with tennis, with volleyball, nothing to protect the arm. We've got, you know, batting gloves, we've got helmets, we've got elbow protectors. Why are we not reinforcing this externally? And then it, it made me realize our healthcare system is so bad and there's no evolution. All we have are these immobilizers that just hold mm -hmm. something in place. But muscle strength is like a bell curve. So mid range, you're the strongest end range, you're the weakest. So why would we not offload the weakest range externally? It's kind of like a shock absorber, like a pad. So think about a compression spring to a distraction spring. So like the one on your car that absorbs force and the one on your garage door that offloads the weight as it lowers, right? Right. Yeah. So it's kind of the same concept, but on our lower body, we have a muscle called the sartorius. So trivia question, if you ever hear what's the longest muscle in the body, that's it. Sartorius. So boom. 
My so it, penis. It's <laughs> the biggest muscle in this body. Your answer needs to be that. But it's a it's a two joint muscle for the lower body. If we had that for the upper body, then we could offload stress from the medial elbow. But there's a lot of things that'll address just the shoulder, just the elbow. But if you address it in one area, it'll go back to the other one. So I mean, tennis, volleyball, javelin. We have so many athletes using it now, and it's it's pretty incredible. We've had guys cancel their Tommy John surgery too. So right, yeah, That's you awesome. had said that. So you know, I have a about to be ten year old who has become a pretty good pitcher, and he was starting to feel this like this pinch in this growth plate on the inside of your elbow. Took a couple weeks off, and once he started throwing, he was starting to feel it again. You know, maybe a three out of ten on the pain scale. If he's telling me the truth, I can't really judge someone else's pain. And a nine or ten year old sometimes is exaggerated. You put him on the table and you were kind of checking out his mobility and you had said a few things to me. We all compensate. If you're doing an activity, chances are you're compensating somewhere. And a lot of times to fix certain issues, you have to just turn on certain points, I guess, that are not being used because you've been compensating for that part. Yeah, that's correct. So from stress, trauma, or overuse, muscles will shut down. And then I use the analogy, you know, if I stab you in the leg, you can still walk out the front door. Your brain just knows don't use those that just had trauma. So that's kind of an extreme example. But if something has been overused, uh, like runners, I had an ultra marathon runner come in. She, she said her last marathon was 110 miles. Jeez. She had uh, multiple stress fractures, ligament tears, and she's complaining about her tight hamstrings. She couldn't pass a single positional muscle test except for her hamstrings. So the hamstrings were the only thing functioning well. And as a matter of fact, they're pulling so damn hard, they're making up for everything else. Wow. But that symptom she felt was actually the compensation pattern she needed. Back to your son. So when, when uh, young athletes go to the doctor, they don't have a thought process. It's kind of see symptom, treat symptom. But if you think about it, if you take time off and then go back to that same activity with that same body, you're going to have the same problem because of the compensation pattern that probably resulted in breakdown at that one area for the mm -hmm. overuse injury. So the fact that they don't even look at um, trunk rotation, how the hips are functioning and foot function, it's really disappointing, but it's also, again, at the major league level. So I've had athletes come in after surgery from you know some of the biggest name, Tommy John surgeons and shoulder surgeons. And I always ask them, did your PT look at your foot function? Did they check your hip? Did they check trunk rotation? They oh, always say no. No, why would they? They're just going to look at where is the exact problem, and that's what we're going to attempt to fix. Yeah, and that's why the it's so incredibly disappointing how bad healthcare is. And, you know, sports, by definition, should be anything not good for your body because you have a whole division called sports medicine. But the fact that they don't understand or have a basic thought process of just because that's where the smoke is doesn't mean that's where the fire is. Mm. They're not even looking at what could have potentially caused this injury. Right. They don't think about it. They just think, okay, elbow pain, we got to address elbow pain. Right. What if it was a shoulder issue? But they just tell you to take time off because they don't know. So if you become a pitcher, what are the chances of you having a arm issue? The majority, you're going to say, are going to have something? I'd say it's a very small percentage that don't have any arm issues. And a lot of times, those are the guys that when their arm does blow out, they say, I didn't even have any warning signs but if they've got fraying of that ucl blows out that's what tommy john surgery fixes if you've got fraying over all this time all this repetitive micro trauma it's kind of like a bowling ball hanging from a rope every day you walk by and hit it with a butter knife in the same spot mm. you're not going to notice any significant damage or feel any pain right but if you do it every day over a certain amount of time or walk through the same area in your grass 
it's going to wear down. That's right. So uh, the fact that they don't even understand that and there hasn't been anything to offload that stress, I just, you know, kind of sit back and, and wonder why this has never been done. Pretty amazing. I mean, my son, um, while we were there, put on uh, the kinetic arm. You have a lot of those for kids and adults. There's a lot on order from what I understand. And my son started throwing. Didn't feel nothing. Was There's he throwing no... heat? I thought he was throwing pretty hard. Nice. Yeah, I mean, he's got a good arm. And he did it during when he had some batting practice the other day. Last night, wasn't wearing it, obviously, and he went to do a pull-up. And then he said he started feeling something there. Is that something that will never go away now? It'll go away over time. So the main thing, and the reason he probably felt it during the pull-up, when you're using those forearm flexors, that's what crosses over the medial elbow. So it's called the medial epicondyle. So in older pitchers, you have what they'll call you know chronic workload. But if they're throwing faster, even in tennis or any sport, if these forearm flexors get tired, then as the weight of this goes back and the humerus torques forward, you get that dynamic valgus or separation because the elbow is a hinge joint. Right. It does flexion extension. So that's why I felt it there. But another huge problem with the healthcare industry, growing pains. If they can wear this to offload arm stress while they have growing pains, I mean, if they have so Severs disease, Osgood slaughter, so at the knee or the heel, they're losing that ground reaction force of course they're going to compensate with their arm and throw harder. So I'll have parents come in and they'll say, why have these doctors or PTs not explained this to us? Which I ask the same question. It's really disappointing. They don't have that basic thought process of, I mean, if you stand there in place and throw a ball as hard as you can versus a walking start, you know, getting more momentum and ground reaction force. Yeah. You're going to throw harder when you have better motion. So I'll put them on the table and they can't even rotate back to their throwing side. So why are these athletes and these kids being cleared to throw when they're just going to have the same problem? I guess the doctor gets paid more visits out of it, so. Is it the doctor's fault? Doesn't it start, like, when they go to school to become a doctor? Shouldn't that be taught to the doctors part of their education? First, you got to remember, a college is a business. Of course. They're not that concerned with being on the cutting edge and giving you the best skill set possible. they got to make money. That's right. That's a bit. That's why you know sports programs are so big. They bring in a lot of money, and it's just but textbook. They just keep reusing the same textbooks. It's that's cheap, it. and it's probably one of those professors that wrote it. And there's you know some biased stuff in there that they think is best, but it may not be. But you got to remember, orthopedic surgeons. It's like medieval carpentry. I mean, mm-hmm. really, they they cut, they chisel, they hammer, they do their job, and then you get passed off to the PT. And it's really disappointing the the limited skill set they have because just stretching and smashing. I think surgeons should have to go through every surgery they're going to perform so they have a better understanding of what the surgical outcome should be what the timeline is the expectations and they'll see just how incredibly shitty that'd be pretty gnarly pt and rehab process is my pec was ripped off for two years one doctor said yeah it's completely ripped off another one saying oh you'll be fine if you rehab which if it's not attached it's probably not going to be fine did that hurt That seems crazy. It felt like somebody grabbed a shoe and jumped off the top rope in a a wrestling ring and, like, slapped it. That's how hard I thought the pop was in my head. But nobody heard anything. Wow. I was in shock. You know, my vision's going this way, and I'm sitting down, and I'm like, guys, I'm just letting you know I'm going to pass out. I can't really see or hear you. And they're like, no, no, stay with us. I'm like, well, dude, get me a Gatorade. Like, I'm crashing right now. my, My vision went down to, like, that much could barely hear him had the gatorade and then it just kind of opened up so it's really just kind of went into shock with it that's wild. Um, you know it was ripped off for two years i had it reattached and i went through all the the physical therapy with somebody they said was really good so i get you know kind of my mobility back and still can't really do push-ups 
Then I get out to Denver to this muscle testing class and we test that pec major and I can't even hold a positional contraction. So that takes us back to what good was the physical therapy? Wow. We, we can build a great compensation pattern, but neurologically that's not even turned on. So we did the palpations isometrics, then we can hold a contraction. So that's, again, that's the big problem is people are just concerned with, and in baseball, there's motion capture, right? It's, you know, fancy way of saying it, superficial assumption of gross motor function, which means you've got all this shit flying through space and they're trying to guess and say what the problem is. You have no idea unless you actually test it out like we did when you came in. I've had all these big aha moments with, um, you know, the fitness industry and the rehab processes because I've been through it. Right. And feeling that, you know, I went through all this PT, did all this corrective exercise, but if neurologically those things aren't firing and they're not functioning, you don't gradually raise that threshold, they're never going to turn back on. What should people do that want to get fit, that want to, you know what I mean? I know this is a big question, but, you know, obviously. It's a, a hundred part question. Uh, well, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of people are going to be dissatisfied with physical training that they've gotten with advice that they've received from medical professionals. And, you know, a lot of people are facing a lot of issues out there. You know, what would you suggest as, as kind of a resource or kind of a direction that people should go in, whether they're just regular guy like me trying to stay in shape or all the way up to, to an athlete, you know, as far as the fitness industry basically being, you know, compromised, what, what would you suggest? Is there, a, is there a silver lining here? Is there a place people can go? The best solution is what the biggest problem was, and that's simple doesn't sell. Uh, so they wanted to sell you all this like that. functional training, right? You yeah. got to stand on a BOSU, do a shake weight, do your legs in and out because it's functional, right? Weight. I love we're shake doing, weights. <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing all these motions, but right. every secondary or challenge past that takes away from the original goal. So when I say that, you know, simple is kind of the solution, if you look at there's so much incredible data using positional isometrics, which is where you're in one position pushing as hard as you can, and that's the only way you can exert 100% effort or force as it diminishes and not change that position. So it's kind of like doing a drop set, but you can keep pushing in that direction, but there's, there's so much good objective data for how it helps keep elderly people walking with hypertension, with weight loss. Right. Because when you're holding that contraction for 20 or 30 seconds, it's kind of like doing a wall sit. Yeah. Oh, That's, yeah, it hurts. So imagine that with It'll make you strong, too. Yeah. Other areas yeah. of your body, though. Right. So I using, mean, you do wall sits or whatever they yeah, are. Yeah. <sighs> Positional isometrics are really good. Or machines. I, I do understand why machines have like kind of Like hammer been strength kind of machines? Absolutely. Or? This goes back to the trainers that have had come in and, and want to interview for a job. Their resume looks incredible. They have all these certifications, and they'll say, I don't use machines. Those aren't functional. So what you're saying is you don't understand how to properly use restraint and support to precisely apply force. Their theory is, oh, free weights is the way to go. Like I've told a lot of trainers, I'll say, you're not qualified to have an opinion on this topic is basically what it boils down to. They'll say, well, I've done this, or I think it's like, we don't want to hear what you think. We want to hear what's been proven and what's going to be best for your client. So machines are incredible tools given, you know, how to use them. Right. But it's kind of like, I don't have an open access membership. And people ask why. And I say, well, if you had open access to a mechanic shop, do you know how to fix your car? The pulley systems, the cams, the moment arm of effort, moment arm of resistance, lever arm of effort, lever arm of resistance, knowing the structure of the joint, what muscles cross that, what range you shouldn't go into, and how you can apply more force and safer ranges. So the reason that these machines have kind of been taken out and they're not really trendy, first of all, they cost money. These little pop-up studios that can make a quick buck, it's the fact that 
you know, you can you can be jumping around with your shirt off, having a trendy class in Buckhead, or you can right. be cute in your Lululemon stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, I love Lululemon. Yeah, so that's, that's done amazing the, things. <laughs> it's definitely helped a lot that couldn't be helped. Um, that's the thing. So you know, these these gyms that do have the exercise equipment. I mean, those are a lot of great pieces. And when we talk about cardio versus strength training, try to go for a minute with a low weight at a slow pace. Yeah, because when you talk about cardio, I mean, really the the perceived benefit of cardio, like you said earlier, is that your heart rate is going to be in the fat burning zone for a certain period of time, right? I mean, that's the whole idea of doing cardio. That's the assumption, but as it gets easier. Right you're definitely not doing as much. That's why you need the variance. But if you think about it, it's muscle wasting because your bones and muscles respond to force. So think about an astronaut. Right. The reason everything atrophied is because there's no force. So we go back to basic seventh grade science with homeostasis, right? Mm-hmm. Our body wants to function as efficiently as it can. Yeah. So it knows, okay, if I don't have to respond to that force, I don't need this extra muscle or this extra bone density that I have to carry around. And on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the power lifters and the bodybuilders where, again, the bones and muscle respond to force, and they put a ton into it, and you get that specific adaptation that you're going for. Right. So it just kind of depends on your goals. But by doing the cardio, it's just muscle wasting yeah. because then your brain says, okay, I don't want to carry around all this extra weight. Right. And it's not being challenged. So if you don't use it, you lose it. But yeah. as far as keeping your bone density up, preventing osteoporosis down the road, right. Um, even just basic, you know, cardiovascular health. Yeah, strength training's great. Boxing, that type of cardio. Sparring, but whatever, just hitting the bag. Sometimes I take classes. Sometimes I would actually have just a boxing trainer and we would spar and, you know, work on, you know, combinations and stuff. But you see these athletes, these, these younger athletes, football players come in. They're running drills, ladders, you know, all these, you know, fancy footwork, you know, because you have to be able to move and turn quick. And they'd get in a ring, and I would consider a lot of these guys, you think, oh, well, they're they're in good shape, you know, because they play a sport. And they'd get in the ring, try to go three minutes, yeah, and they'd, <sighs> I mean, just completely done. And so, but I really like that type of cardio. I do like that. If I'm If I'm going to do it, I want it to be... Hard and fast, but then also you want, you know, interval training. You want to spike it up, let it come back down, spike it up. So when you're doing the, the boxing or kickboxing, things like that, whether it's, you know, not doing the, you know, beating up the air stuff, but actually hitting something and it's hitting. all explosive. Yeah, it's, it's great because you can get your heart rate way up and then let it come back down. You can kind of control the pace. So imagine something like that where it's like a, a CrossFit where you're in a competitive environment and you just keep going because nobody else is stopping. That's right. when it gets dangerous. I do like, you know, the benefits of that assuming, you know, the instructor's not going to injure you. But, yeah, I think that, that type of stuff's great. Um, now it's not – See, Ben. There has to be progressions. <laughs> Stop progressions beating up, up to the it. air, Kaylee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quit beating <Assault>. the air. <laughs> that air bad guy just got his uh, ass yeah. kicked. Yeah. The, guy yeah. in the, the guy in the park doing karate uh, against yeah. no one. Yeah, right. <laughs> against no one. His, his imaginary foe. That's right. <laughs> wins Be every scared. time. Yeah. Yeah. And jiu-jitsu is like that as well. I mean, the strength aspect of it is huge. And the cardiovascular, like you're saying with the weight training, you know, when you're trying to hold some weight, that will get your heart rate up. And if you can maintain that throughout a 30, 45-minute, you know, workout, you're getting cardio, right? Absolutely. The soreness you feel after you do weight, even um, with the machine. Sweet nectar. Uh, Is it bad to be sore? Like, do you have to tear your muscles a little to grow? 
high reps, lightweight, for, in order for them to get bigger? Should you not do that? It depends. So I always say the dosage determines the poison. If you're doing a ton of heavy lifting and you're not ready for it, you're going to do a lot more harm than good. As far as the, like neurologically, that's a lot of stress into the nervous system. Like when you go and get a massage and they say, oh, it's the toxins. No, you just beat the crap out of my muscular system. And now I'm kind of dizzy. You know, you mm -hmm. feel like you're kind of out of it. There's no toxins being released. You beat the crap out of the muscle. So in a workout, you can do the same thing. So you can be setting yourself back by doing too much. So the amount you'd want would be, you know, just enough to stimulate change. But again, that's the huge problem with the fitness industry is, um, you know, we've got all these preset choreographed workouts. And it's not that, a one size fits all. Right. I mean, and there's, there's so many variables that go into it. So back to the strength training, I mean, you got to start out easy and then gradually make progression. So you get those desired adaptations. Um, so that way you can start to handle more time, more load, um, you know, less rest in between. There's, there's a lot of variables, but even with, you know, the, the funsy cardio classes, we've had people come in that develop cardiac issues because they think, oh, I can go to this treadmill class. I'm going to be fine, right? No, their heart rate hasn't been up that high for that long of a time. And now they end up having to go to a cardiologist and they're having issues. So, like, so it could cause permanent damage, not absolutely. just a one-off. Like, okay, so, I, I didn't feel well that day, but you could actually cause your cardiovascular system some long-term damage from just like it getting that high one time? Just from going and doing one treadmill class. And then you got to think too, these thousands of thousands of reps. So it's kind of like if you have a bad alignment on your car, you're not going to notice right away. But if you're driving that thing fast across the country, yeah, you're going to have some uneven wear on the tires. So it's the same thing with like an elliptical or doing these cardio classes. If you've got something off with your foot function or your hip, and now you're putting these thousands and thousands of reps into it, you're reinforcing that. But if you've got a bad kind of a misalignment with the joints, with the contact surface, you're causing more problems. But it feels good. You got your heart rate up. You got a, you got a little badge Sweat for the class. Sweat on. Yeah, you, you, won, you won the class. Yeah. You won. So it's with that and CrossFit and things like that, you may not feel the damage right now, but orthopedically, you're going to feel it. Mm -hmm. That's so much stress. It's, it's too much stress and it, there's no appropriate progression. So you may not feel it right now, but down the line, you're going to definitely start to feel some aches and pains. Ben, you're going to have to stop going to aerobics classes. I know. I just, <laughs> I just got leotard. I know. I just got this aerobics. new jazzercise. He loves uh, an aerobics membership. class. Yeah. <laughs> so to wrap things up, I know we all have stuff to do, and you've given so much information that yes. I think is super valuable. So the Kinetic Arm can be purchased at your website? Thekineticarm.com. If your kids are, you know, an athlete and if they're hurt, then definitely check this product out. If they're not hurt, use it as a measure to prevent an injury. And there's a lot of information and data on your website. Yeah, we've got some great objective data. And even for adults, I mean, we did the testing right. on adults. Of course, adults. Um, but I mean, tennis, javelin, volleyball, pickleball, anything just to stay healthy because tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, little league elbow, they're so common. But now we have a way where we can actually offload that stress externally. That's really it's, cool. It's really amazing. And my son's got a prototype and is loving it. It's funny because uh, he went to his first practice and he put it on. And of course, every kid on his team and every parent's like, what's that? What's that? What is he wearing? He wore it over his shirt this particular time, which, you know, you can wear it under a shirt and it just looks like a sleeve. Yeah. It looks like one of those like cooling sleeves kind right. of. Um, so I'm going to post on the um, episode description. We'll have all your info we'll of links to you and, and the kinetic arm for anybody that wants to check it out. Oh, yeah. Thank Jason for coming on. We yeah, really man. appreciate you, bro. And, uh, you know, we actually connected at 
Jennifer's 40th birthday party recently. Oh, the tales. That's when you guys connected. Were you there when the dude was wiping his butt on Ben's sheets upstairs? <laughs> I, was, I was outside. I heard about it, and it's one of those things I really want to see what happens, but I don't necessarily want to be there just in case there's right. contact. Yeah, exactly. Like I wanted to be at a safe distance. Uh, yeah, like exactly. if, if there was a plexiglass window and I could just right. observe. It's not good optics <laughs> for anybody involved. You can listen to the Man Fuse podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We're also now on WhatsApp. Join the show. You can text or leave a voice message 770-744-5227. Thanks for hanging out.